Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 22, verses 23 through 31, page 458 in your pew Bibles. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the afflictions of the afflicted and has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you come my praises in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before you, before those who fear him. The afflicted shall not eat and the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and return to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow and all all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Prosperity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generations. They shall come and proclaim from his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. Our New Testament reading is Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38 page 844 in your pew Bibles. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things to be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly and took, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciple, he rebuked Peter and said, get Behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man. And calling to the crowd, to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me, of my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of the, his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Be Please be seated. join me in prayer as we pray for the word of God. Father, we bow before you in the name of Jesus, who is the living word and his word. Lord, your, your word is profitable. It's good for us to instruct us, 
to train us in righteousness, that, that, you, that we, your people, may be equipped for every good work. And so help us now as we give attention to what it is that you have said in your word. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Title of the message is Eat and Worship. That might be something we do around here every once in a while. <laughs> but you know, babies don't need to be taught where their mouths are or what it's for. But what you have to teach them, though, is what to put into their mouths. You have to teach them how much to eat and what kind of things they should eat. They have to be taught how to control their appetites. Appetites are powerful things. We start out in life not knowing our appetites, and as we grow, we tend to let them run amok. You do too much of this, eat too little of that. And then the older you get, you realize your appetites need to be disciplined so they don't kill you. And appetites and, and our hearts, they go together. Because we spend most of our lives thinking that, that it's right to give our hearts whatever it wants. Perhaps you remember in 1992, after being excoriated for marrying his wife, Mia Farrow's adopted daughter, Woody Allen, said, the heart wants what it wants, as if doing whatever the heart wants is right. It should be obvious that as human beings, we have problems controlling our appetites, and it's often a sign of a, a deeper issue namely, loves that are out of order. But what does that mean? Appetites that are out of control are emblematic of disordered loves. Augustine, the African Bishop of Hippo, wrote this about, about this problem in his confessions. He writes about having an immoderate inclination towards these goods of the lowest order, while the better and higher are forsaken. You, our Lord God, your truth and your law. For these lower things have their delights, but not like my God, who made all things. For in him doth the righteous delight, and he is the joy of the upright in heart. You see, the African bishop is saying that in loving lesser things to the neglect of higher things, God, his truth, his law, our loves are out of order. But how do you get them? How do you get them in order? How do you learn to control? How do we learn to control our appetites? But the text of Psalm 22 shows us. Because twice the text mentions eating. Once in verse 26, and then again in verse 29, it says, eat and be satisfied, and eat and worship. Now, this was curious to me, given the context of the psalm. Because the context is an innocent sufferer who feels forsaken by God, but then, as he's crying out to God, he, his cries become rejoicing. And, and he's no longer the innocent sufferer, he's vindicated by the God 
He questioned, asking, why have you forsaken me? And in this context, the talk of eating and worshiping is, is telling the reader something about our suffering, our appetites, and worship. And so what I hope to show you is that our appetites and worship work together to change our loves so that we let go of lesser things in order to love the only one who matters above all else. We want to see from our text how worship of the Lord reveals how our appetites are out of order, the way to reform them, and where they find their satisfaction. So let's look at this. Look at verse 24. For he who has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. You see, worship of the Lord reveals our appetites are, are out of order. Just as you can only know a line is crooked by looking at a straight one, it's only as you begin to worship the Lord that you begin to see how out of kilter your heart really is. You only know how unholy you are by seeing the beauty of his holiness. It isn't until you begin to worship the Lord that you start to see the affliction of the afflicted. And you begin to notice that there are people who are oppressed and depressed by their circumstances. See, worship of the Lord reminds you that this is how the Lord found you. Afflicted, oppressed by your sin depressed by the guilt and grief of your sin and the sin others commit against you and against other people. And if you are a Christian, have you noticed suffering more? Is that true? As, 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 as you grow in grace, you notice suffering more in your own life or, or in the lives of others? You know what suffering is, right? Suffering is, is about your appetites clashing with someone else's appetite. James 4, 1, 2 says this. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Elizabeth Elliot has a good definition of suffering. She says, suffering is having what you don't want and wanting what you don't have. Yeah, let that sink in. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, your appetites clashing with other people's appetites is the reason for a whole lot of suffering. Even in the case of, of physical suffering, it's having, it's true, it's, it's having what you don't want. But here's how worship shows you that your loves are out of order. Because in worship, you learn that though you are afflicted, though you were afflicted, the Lord didn't despise you. Hallelujah. Though you were oppressed by sin, the Lord didn't abhor you. See, that's good news this morning. That the Lord doesn't, he didn't despise us but he heard our cries. Hallelujah. 
He didn't have contemptuous, contemptuous words for us, but he speaks tenderly. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah, standing in the midst of the ruins of the cities in the book of Lamentation, he says, he says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You see, worship shows us our appetites are out of order, but it shows, too, that the way to reform our appetites. Look at verses 23, 25, and 28. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. From you comes, verse 25, from you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. And then verse 28, for kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. You see, worship of the Lord teaches us that our desires and appetites can be reformed. They can change, but you have to train them. How? Well, the text shows us. Fear, fearing, being, and resting. Good verse 23. By fearing the Lord, in verse 25, by being with God's people, in verse 28, by resting in the Lord's kingship. See, fearing the Lord, I found no better definition than the one that Tim Keller gives in his study of Proverbs. Jonathan and I preached through this a few years ago, and Keller described the fear of the Lord this way. He said, the fear of the Lord is joyful awe and wonder before the greatness of who God is and what he's done. See, so that's different from the, the cowering image that most people have when you talk about the fear of the Lord. They think you're scared and unapproachable. Yes, it's true. Be scared indeed, but know that the Lord comes close to you, not to terrorize us, hallelujah, but to show us his love. Yeah, fear the Lord, and you find that you are loved by the Lord. You fear, fear the Lord, and you, you find that, that you are given family status. Look at verse 23, he says, You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel. You see, to have your, your appetite, that's fearing the Lord. But then the second thing is the be, being, being with the people of God. To have your appetites reformed as you worship, you need to be with God's people. See, worship reminds us, it reminds you that, that you are not living for yourself. And you're not living by yourself, but you're a part of a family. And your praise is in the great congregation, the text says, your vows are performed before others who fear the Lord. Your desires and appetites are, are reordered in community with others who are being reformed too. See, fearing the Lord being with God's people and resting in his kingship. All of these things, go to, they work together. Resting in the Lord's kingship. His rule is your security. We have a king. And he's not merely king over your personal life, your personal things, but he's the king of kings. 
He's the Lord of lords. There is no king or lord higher than him. And every other king, every other lord submits to him. He controls everything. He rules over everyone. This is his right, the text is telling us. Kingship belongs to the Lord. His rule is not at some future date. He rules now. And this security is able to reform our hearts, to change our loves as we continue to worship him. Listen to Colossians 3, because, you know, Colossians 3 starts out with, you know, worship, you know, seek those things that are above, where Christ is seated in, in heavenly places. And there, that, that's, where, that's what you're to seek. But then in verse 5, Paul says this, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then he goes through a whole list of, of, of sins and things that are, that are broken about us. And then in verse 12, he tells us, put on then. So put to death and then put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. But this starts in worship. Eugene Peterson says about worship, he says, worship does not satisfy our hunger for God. It whets our appetite. Our need for God is not taken care of by engaging in worship. It deepens. Worship initiates an extended daily participation in peace and security so that we share in our daily rounds what God initiates and continues in Jesus Christ. Worship, you see, shows us the way to reform our appetites. But lastly, worship shows us where our appetites find satisfaction. Look at verse 26. And verse 29, the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall worship the Lord. May your hearts live forever. In verse 29, all the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. I think that includes all of us. You see, part of, part of training your appetite is knowing what truly satisfies your hunger. So you know that probably the most difficult part of any weight loss plan is knowing what truly satisfies your hunger. You see, the reason you're trying to lose weight is because you didn't know that. You thought those potato chips were taking care of that, but that's not true. But it's knowing what truly satisfies your hunger. And this is true spiritually as well. Because the text tells us that the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. The prosperous, or as another translation would say, the fat of the earth eat and worship. But the question is, who has provided the meal. Who provided this meal for the afflicted to eat and be satisfied? Who has provided a meal so lavish that the fat, the prosperous, see themselves as poverty-stricken unless they had, unless they eat this meal? You see, this meal is provided by the Lord Himself. The text says. 
to those, those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. You see, only the Lord can provide a meal that satisfies the humble man and makes the well-fed man's mouth water. The only the Lord can provide a meal that brings both poor and rich together. Only the Lord can provide a meal that brings the nations together at one table and every ethnicity finds satisfaction and they stop fighting over who got that chicken leg. They find peace. See, it's the meal that Isaiah 25, 6 through 9 describes. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people. He will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. You see how this satisfies it's what we've been hungry for fellowship with God right relationships across lines of, of, of ethnicity and, and, and class where, where no one is killing someone because of the color of their skin where no one is contemptuous or mocking someone because they don't have this or, or that Deception, gone. Sin, gone. Pain, gone. Shame, gone. Death, gone. What grace. What love. What a deliverance. What a mighty God we serve. See, our appetites find their complete satisfaction in God alone. As the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Augustine, again, he said, God himself, who is the author of virtue, shall be our reward. And there is nothing greater or better than God himself. God has pr promised us himself. God shall be the end of all our desires, who will be seen without end, loved without cloy, and praised without weariness. Hallelujah. You're going to sing and not get tired. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, and the temperature will be right. Yeah, perhaps so so maybe maybe you've been like a baby not knowing what you've been putting into your mouth are you struggling with controlling your appetites are your loves out of order do you want to begin to set aside the lower order of things so that you can have the higher ones god the father hits the son and the holy spirit you put everything else into your heart's mouth, and yet you aren't satisfied. Hear the message of the psalm. To eat 
and worship. As you see, this is a, a kingly psalm. It's, it's messianic. It's Christ, the king. He is the ultimate innocent sufferer who is vindicated by the Father. And as king, here's the good news. He represents us. As king, as king, he represents us. His suffering was for us. His deliverance is for us. The righteousness that is his, that he fulfilled, is for us. His vindication is for us. So through his suffering, Christ proves God is right. And God's rights are upheld. See, Christ's righteousness is brought to all who by faith turn to God with their repentance. See, this is, how, this is how our appetites find their satisfaction when we are satisfied with God being God. See, this is what Jesus meant when he said in Mark 8, 35, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. See, eating and worshiping go together. The Lord, recall this, the Lord provided a meal for his disciples before he died, didn't he? That's what we have here. And after suffering on the cross and rising from the dead, eating with his brothers and sisters in, is one of the first things Jesus did. Yeah, after he meets the, on, the, on, the, on the Emmaus Road, after talking and walking with disciples along, with, along the Emmaus Road, he opened the scriptures up to them, and they didn't know it was Jesus until they were at the table. And Luke 24, 30, 31 records this. When he was at table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were open, and they recognized him. You see, to, more, to see more and more of Jesus, you have to consume what the Lord provides. You have to eat and worship with others. See, every time, friends, every time we come to the table of our Lord, our appetites are being trained. Here is where your heart is realigned and the lesser things are set aside to love the higher things of God, his truth, his son, his people. Come, eat, and worship.